Well, welcome to the Jazz Focus, and thank you for joining us. My name is John Clark, and uh, we are here once again trying to shed some light on the cobwebby corners of jazz history. And today, our topic will be a performer who is not very well known in America these days, and probably wasn't uh, at any real point, but he's considered one of the founding fathers of Australian jazz, and uh, he's equally well thought of by uh, the traditional jazz community in England. So we'll talk about that in a little while. So we are talking about a fellow named Lazy Aid, as he was known, A-D-E, Aid Monsbro. And he was born in 1917 in Melbourne, uh, Australia, and uh, early on was attracted to the sounds of what we would call today traditional jazz, the jazz of the 1920s and 30s, especially music recorded by, for example, King Oliver and Louis Armstrong, Jellero Morton, and Clarence Williams. And you can hear those influences on his playing and in his bands for the rest of his life. He served in uh, the Australian military during World War II. I don't know if he was actually a member of the entertainment division, but I do know that he uh, performed for the troops and who were either stationed in Australia or passing through, both uh, national troops and also the Allies as well. And uh, he was playing probably a, a version of this music. By 1944 or thereabouts, he was part of the band that was led by pianist Graham Bell, who was also from uh, Melbourne. And uh, Bell was an interesting figure as well. He uh, had a very long career uh, playing piano in uh, early styles of jazz. He was a very accomplished ragtime and uh, stride player, more in the in the style of Jelly Roll Morton to begin with, but he later uh, adopted more stride and even some more modern styles as well. But in the 1940s, he was leading a band of musicians who were devoted to this early style of music. And uh, initially, it was a really a what we would call a Dixieland band. It had a New Orleans front line of trumpet, trombone, and clarinet with a rhythm section, piano, tuba, banjo, and drums, and sometimes a fourth horn as well. Monsbrough had joined... Uh, Bell's band, as I said, in about 1944-45. He was a multi-instrumentalist. He came to be known best for his playing on alto saxophone, and that was probably his most um, original-sounding instrument, I think we'd have to say. He recorded pretty frequently on clarinet. We'll hear some of that. He sang as well. And in his early days with uh, Bell especially, he was known for playing trumpet and even trombone. I think it was mostly on trombone that he was featured when they did their first tour abroad, which was in about 1947, I think, uh, and they went to Czechoslovakia. Uh, and they recorded quite a number of sides in Prague, actually, about then. And uh, those have become collector's items and really become a foundational uh, piece for Australian jazz bands playing in this style. Later on, they went back uh, to Europe. Uh, they ended up in England for a while, and uh, they were... Uh, well received there. They didn't sound like the trad bands that were playing in England in the late 40s and early 50s who were really kind of religiously dedicated to uh, that early music playing in the style of King Oliver and Louis Armstrong and so forth. Uh, the uh, Bell Band played a lot of original tunes by members of the band, including quite a few by uh, Monsborough. They uh, would play pop tunes as well, but they played in a very um, traditional style, that two-beat uh, New Orleans style, or what was perceived to be the New Orleans style at the time that was coming through the recordings that had been made in the 1920s. Uh, in England, uh, one of the up-and-coming band leaders in this style was a trumpet player named Humphrey Littleton, who had a fascinating career uh, that went about 60 years and uh, took him through radio as a commentator, a performer, uh, a jazz musician in several different jazz styles, and a uh, cartoonist as well. Very interesting fellow was our man Humph. Uh, and he was taken by the Australians in general and by uh, Monsborough in particular. And for a while, in the early 50s, um, Littleton's recordings featured a blend of his British jazz musicians and uh, the Bell Band as well. And uh, Monsborough played with Littleton's band for a little while, uh, replacing actually his trombone player, Keith Christie, who left uh, to go on to Greener Pastures. But uh, Littleton had Monsborough not play trombone, but alto sax. And so he had a front line of alto sax, clarinet, and trumpet. And uh, he liked that so much, even after Monsborough left, he uh, had another saxophone player, Bruce Turner, come in to get a similar effect, even though they were not at all similar players. 
We're getting ahead of our story. We'll come to Humphrey Littleton's recordings a little bit later, featuring Ed Monsborough. So we're going to hear uh, mostly recordings that were made in the 1950s, uh, early, early to middle 1950s. So this is when uh, Monsborough was really kind of getting started as a national figure in Australia and, and, and exerting some influence. He was a very original player on all of his instruments, as we will hear. He had a very... Um, particular uh, crotchety style of playing on all of them, particularly alto sax. He really had his voice on the alto, I believe, and uh, we'll hear quite a bit of that coming up. Our first recordings are going to be ones that he did with Len Barnard's jazz band in 1954 and uh, 53, actually. 50, well, I guess it's 53 and 54. That's correct. So the Barnard band, Len Barnard was a drummer and his brother Bob, uh, an exceptionally gifted cornet player who was only about 18 or 19 when he was making these recordings. And Bob Barnard is still alive as of this recording and still playing very well at the age of about 90 in Australia. He had a very long career, as did Len Barnard, too. This was a, founded as a very traditional uh, style jazz band. This was the, the, the coin of the realm in, in Melbourne at the time. Uh, many bands or several bands were playing this type of music. The Barnards were a very good example of that. And they had been recording since oh, about 1952 or so. They were generally recording for the Parlophone label. That was where, uh, m I won't say most, but many of the Australian traditional jazz recordings came from during this period. As Len Barnard remembered, uh, they had a bit of a shakeup in their band in November or late October of 1953, and several of their players, their trombone player, their clarinet player, and, and uh, I think it was their tuba player, all left due to various conflicts with various members of the band, and they had to reinvent the band very quickly because they had a major concert and a recording date coming up within a very short period of time, I think only a week or so, so they had to uh, get some new players in, and they did. Uh, first of all, of course, Aide Monsborough on alto sax came in. Uh, he may be playing a little bit of tenor sax as well. You're going to hear him, believe it or not, on a recorder uh, on a tune coming up, and tenor sax, as I said, and clarinet. So he's going to uh, be, be, be doing all kinds of different work on the, these recordings. We're going to hear four sides. Uh, the first... Uh, Three actually are from the uh, January 1954 uh, session uh, that was eventually licensed to the Swaggy label, uh, which was a classic uh, Australian jazz label. And uh, these tunes are going to feature, of course, Bob Barnard on cornet, Monsborough on alto sax, clarinet, recorder, tenor sax, what have you, uh, Tick Bray on clarinet and tenor sax also. Graham Coyle on piano, Pete Cleaver on banjo, Ron Williamson on tuba, and Len Barnard on drums and washboard. First three tunes we're going to hear are Whip Me With Plenty of Love, a Clarence Williams tune that Williams recorded with one of his own washboard bands in the 1920s. Then the Hiawatha Rag by Neil Moray. This is an arrangement by Aid Monsberg that features him on recorder. And then we're going to go to a Louis Armstrong feature. This was a tune that was composed by Leon and Otis Rene, who were responsible for um, Armstrong's theme song, When It's Sleepy Time Down South. This is a very similar tune, or a somewhat similar tune, called That's My Home. Then we're going to go back to that first recording date, November 3rd of 1953, which was the day after that concert I mentioned, just after the band was reformed. And we're going to hear a Monsboro um, original called Taken No Risks. And this is with the same band. So, those are our four tunes. Whip Me With Plenty of Love, Hiawatha, That's My Home, and Taken No Risks. <laughs> Thank you. 
have a uh, pretty uh, unique take on traditional jazz. It's certainly preserving the sound of the 1920s, but it has its own thing going as well. It was a story that when the um, Graham Bell Band went to England for the first time after its initial uh, Czechoslovakia trip, they kind of stunned the English jazz audiences who were expecting to, to uh, listen to them the way they listened to British traditional jazz bands, which was in concert and sitting very passively and listening to the, the, the true message being delivered. But the bell band was not uh, interested in a performance like that. They apparently took all the tables and chairs out of the place and set it up for dancing, and they insisted the audience dance, and that uh, made the uh, whole traditional jazz movement in England turn a corner at that point because they were very, very popular. So this uh, recording series that we just heard, Len Barnard and his Jazz Band, featuring Aid Monsborough, uh, was made, as I said, 1953 and 54. This was after Aid had come back from his various trips. He had, uh, as I said, spent some time in England. He had been over there a couple of different times with the Bell Band, and he had stayed there to play with Humphrey Littleton for a little while. But he got homesick, I suppose, and came back. And he started playing with some of the younger bands. Uh, the Barnard Band was a bit younger. Uh, and for the rest of his life, he was well known for for mentoring younger musicians. And for uh, a first-hand uh, story about that, I thank my friend Nick Rybush, who said that when he was uh, a young musician getting started in Australia, he uh, actually hired uh, Monsborough to play in his band a few times and said he was a, a wonderful influence. And many other musicians have said that as well. The recordings that we just heard feature him on uh, clarinet, tenor sax, and alto sax, as well as recorder, so it was a good way to start. Uh, the first tune we heard was Whip Me With Plenty of Love, the Clarence Williams tune, a good washboard tune featuring some excellent washboard by the leader, Len Barnard, um, and a fine rhythm section. Pete Cleaver on banjo, Bill Fredericks, whoops, excuse me, that's the wrong one. Pete Cleaver on banjo, Ron Williamson on tuba, sorry about that, and Graham Coyle on piano. Graham Coyle was another uh, remarkable Australian jazz pianist who had a very long life. He lived into his early mid-80s. Graham Bell lived to be almost 100 and was still playing. Uh, Whip Me With Plenty of Love featured a tenor sax solo by Monsborough and clarinet by Earl Tick Bray. We then heard Hiawatha Rag, as I said, a, a, a recorder feature by Monsborough and uh, an arrangement by him as well. It also featured the band. Uh, there's a whole CD out of uh, Monsborough's various recordings at different times on uh, recorder and maybe penny whistle too. And uh, it's interesting once, but I find enough of that is enough. I'd rather hear him on his other instruments. But this Hiawatha was a very entertaining performance as it also featured the rest of the band. Then we heard Bob Barnard, uh, I think he was about 21 at the time, doing his Louis Armstrong best on That's My Home, uh, which also featured uh, Monsborough, in this case, on clarinet. He had that hoarse sound on all his instruments. Uh, the tenor solo in that case was by Tick Bray. And then we finished up with Taking No Risks, uh, the Monsborough composition, and you heard his alto for the first time. On this recording, he was playing a Grafton alto, which was a plastic instrument, a white plastic instrument that was marketed in the early 50s. And when he uh, was over in, I think it was Paris, with the... Uh, uh, bell band in the late 40s, uh, he was given one. He was one of three saxophone players who was given uh, a Grafton alto because he was, they were considered to be uh, representatives of their styles of jazz and the company wanted to get some promotional things going and so forth. Uh, the, the example of a swing player was Johnny Dankworth, who was a British musician who was well known and became much better known at the time. And the bebop musician was a fellow named Charlie Parker, who was over there doing one of the Paris Jazz Festivals at the time, and he recorded on that uh, Grafton Alto a couple of times. The famous Massey Hall concert uh, features him playing that, but uh, it did not stay in any of their uh, instrument closets for all that long, although I guess Monsborough kept it longer than most. He, he would trot it out from time to time. They weren't especially good or well-made instruments, but Monsborough had such a, uh, uh, an eclectic way of playing and, and, and a personal way of playing you get the feeling that it didn't really matter what he played, that he was going to sound that way on any instrument um, that he picked up. Um, just a very forceful personality, musically speaking. So now we're going to go on to some of the sides that uh, Monsborough made when he was back in Australia. As I mentioned, he went to um, uh, Czechoslovakia and then uh, France, and I believe 
England with the uh, Graham Bell Band in the late 1940s, 47, 48. He came back to Australia, and uh, rather than going to Melbourne, he ended up, I think, settling in Adelaide, which is about 300 miles away or so. And he started recording with a, a, a loosely organized group of musicians called the Southern Jazz Group, which had been around since the mid-40s. It started out as a high school band led by the clarinet player um, Bruce Gray and uh, featuring some of his friends. It was uh, kind of taken over, maybe not in the most friendly fashion, by a trombone player, Dave Dalwitz, who's another legendary uh, Australian jazz musician. He came to be better known later on as a piano player and a composer, but early on in the 1940s, uh, he was a, a, a uh, traditional jazz trombone player who was uh, very devoted to the style, to the exclusion of all others, and that brought him into uh, competition with some other musicians and conflict with some of the members of the band as well. And they began recording in the middle 1940s, uh, recording very traditional tunes uh, with a, a, a range of musicians, usually featuring the trumpet player Bill Monroe, uh, Dalwitz on trombone, Bruce Gray on clarinet, Johnny Malpas on banjo, Bob Wright on tuba, Joe Tippett on washboard and drums, and Lou Fisher on piano. That was the Cora group. By um, 1940, I have to look through my notes here. By 1949, early in 1949, Monsborough was uh, in Adelaide, and he started recording with the band as well, usually on second trumpet, although he would occasionally solo on other instruments. And uh, we'll hear one of the sides from that this band made in a little while. Uh, this was at the time when Monsborough also started uh, recording under his own name, and his sort of general uh, name for his group was Lazy Aid's Late Hour Boys, or Lazy Aid and his Late Hour Boys, and some other variations of that name. He was known as Lazy Aid, I guess, because of a kind of a laconic personality. Um, certainly not because of his playing, which wasn't lazy in the slightest. It was very energetic, as we will see. So we're going to hear a series of tunes that were recorded uh, mostly for the Memphis label in Adelaide in 1949 and 50. And this was before um, Monsborough went back to the Bell Band and went back to England. And we'll hear some of that a little bit later. So we're going to start out with a tune called Stomp It Around, Lazy Eight and His Late Hour Boys. This is uh, Monsborough doing his various instruments, trumpet, clarinet, and alto sax along with Bruce Gray, who takes the clarinet solo. They had a nice little reed duo going there. Um, as I said, uh, Leon, uh, or excuse me, Lou Fisher on piano, Johnny Malpas on um, uh, banjo, Bob Wright on tuba, and Joe Tippett. Actually, in this case, it isn't uh, Joe Tippett. Roger Bell uh, is going to be on washboard. And this is from December of 1949. This is actually recorded for jazz art. Then we're going to hear a, uh, an original tune by uh, Monsberg called Look Down the Road. This was one of his first uh, recordings, but we're going to hear a slightly later version. This is uh, from uh, 1949, June, actually, Lazy Aid and his Backroom Boys at this point. Uh, Monsberg, great. This time, Dave Dalwitz switches over to piano. He was considered at the time to be a better piano player than a trombone player, which apparently created some of the dissension in the band. Um, Malpas Wright and uh, Foreman, a uh, Bob Foreman in this case, on drums. This was recorded in Melbourne. And then we will move right along to a, uh, another, yet another uh, interesting uh, Monsborough original called I Hear a Jazz Band, featuring him on alto saxophone, along with uh, Bruce Gregg and a clarinet. And we have uh, Bill Monroe playing trumpet, along with Dalwitz, Malpas Wright, and Foreman. Back to Sydney, Australia here. And this is the beginning, uh, actually it's in June of 1950, very shortly before he left to go back uh, to Europe with the Grand Bell Group. And we have two more tunes, a little bit unusual. Uh, I'll tell you more about them when we get to the other side. We're going to hear a tune called Clarinet Spice, which is done by the official Southern Jazz Group. And then we're going to end up with the Columbus Stockade Blues by a very unusual frankly weird group called Dusty Rhodes and his Jackaroos, and we'll talk about that when we get back. So those are our tunes right now, and enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that was an interesting recording. Obviously, an Australian attempt to break into the emerging uh, country western market, I guess, in uh, 19... When was that done? 1950. Recorded in Sydney for the Rodeo label. Rodeo? Rodeo, I suppose. That sort of tells you what, 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 what type of mood they were striking. That was Dusty Rhodes and his Jackaroos and the Columbus Stockade Blues, which had been composed by Jimmy Davis, who uh, was an entertainer and a singer and uh, our composer. In addition to being the governor of Louisiana for a while, he had composed You Are My Sunshine and recorded with oh, quite a few musicians in the 1930s. And that band was the Southern Jazz Group and featured, of all people, Aide Monsburg on vocal. He was singing the lead vocal and backed up by Johnny Malpas, who was also playing guitar on there. We heard some nice uh, trumpet playing in there by um, Bill Monroe. He was, uh, by this point, had evolved into more of a Bix Beiderbecke type of stylist. He had played much more forthright and bluesy in his earlier recordings, but by 1949-50, he was definitely showing the effects of having listened to Bix and Red Nichols. We heard uh, Bruce Gray on clarinet. In this case, Dave Dalwitz was on piano, Bob Wright on tuba, and Bob Foreman on drums. And so that was one of four tunes that was recorded by that unusual little group. We preceded that with a tune uh, called Clarinet Spice, which had been composed by Dave Dalwitz. And as I mentioned, he was kind of leading the Southern Jazz Group. This is the only recording we have, or that I'm playing today, of the actual Southern Jazz Group, per se. This is Monroe with Munzber on alto sax, Dave Dalwitz on trombone, Bruce Gray on clarinet, um, Kevin Allen on piano, Johnny Malpas on banjo, and then Bob Wright on tuba and Bob Foreman on drums. This was recorded also in 1950 in Sydney, Australia. This was for the Parlo or for the Australian Parlophone label. And Clarinet Spice featured uh, all of the soloists, and we can even hear a few little brief moments of a hoarse-sounding trumpet, which was Monsbert at the time. He usually played second trumpet in the band, and then would pick up uh, his clarinet or alto for a solo, or sometimes for a duet with Gray. So we started out that set with three tunes by Lazy Aid and either his Backroom Boys or his Late Hour Boys. We heard um, Stomp It Around was the first one. Uh, featured Monsborough on trumpet, clarinet, and alto sax in that case. You heard a, a very punchy style of trumpet in, the, in there with the band we talked about, uh, Bruce Gray, um, Lou Fisher on piano, uh, Johnny Malpas, uh, Bob Wright, and Roger Bell on washboard, recorded for Jazz Art in 1949. Then we went to uh, Look Down the Road, a Lazy Aid and his Backroom Boys. Again, basically the same band. Um, Bruce Gray also played alto sax on this one, and uh, Dave Dalwitz was the pianist for this too. And then right smack in the middle of our five-tune session, we heard uh, I Hear a Jazz Band. And I should mention all three of these tunes were originals by Aidan Monsborough. And I Hear a Jazz Band was uh, Lazy Aidan's Backroom Boys. We hear Bill Monroe, M-U-N-R-O, M -U -N -R -O, I should pronounce more carefully, on trumpet along with the rest of the band that we've just been talking about. So this was uh, representative of a kind of a year or two period in, in Munzburg's career where he, I guess, had settled in Adelaide. He seemed to have been recording there quite a lot. And uh, this was just prior to him rejoining Graham Bell's band and going back to Europe. And uh, they repeated their success in England in about, oh, 1951, 52, somewhere in there. And as I had mentioned, they uh, impressed uh, the British trumpeter and band leader Humphrey Littleton very much. And Littleton was a... Uh, as I alluded to a few moments ago, uh, a very interesting figure, a really Renaissance uh, man type of person. He uh, was a broadcaster. Later in life, he anchored a quiz show that was very, um, very, very popular on the BBC and on the radio over in England, too. He was a very fine trumpet player uh, who recorded with, among others, Sidney Bechet and uh, Jimmy Rushing and... Um, Buddy Tate and a lot of visiting American stars, but he had his own band that initially was a very traditional New Orleans-style group and that gradually evolved over the years, as jazz itself had. Uh, as I said, he took on Aide Monsborough uh, and other members of the uh, Grand Bell Band uh, to make a series of recordings for Parlophone and kept uh, Monsborough on for a while while uh, the rest of the band, I think, returned to Australia. 
And then later on, he added uh, a, a more beboppy alto sax player called Bruce Turner, and uh, that changed the sound of the band. And then eventually, he went into a very swing-oriented band, had a, a full-size big band. He even did some rhythm and blues for a while, but he would regularly come back to his roots of traditional jazz, very often with his close friend Wally Fox, the clarinet player, and we're going to hear him as well. So we have four tunes that we're going to hear from the Humphrey Littleton Band of this period. This is basically from the fall of um, 1951. We're going to start with Hoppin' Mad, and uh, that's a tune that will be, uh, it was billed uh, for Parlophone as Humphrey Littleton and his band with Aid Monsborough. And Littleton's on trumpet, Monsborough's on alto, Wally Fox on clarinet, Johnny Parker on piano, Freddie Ligon on guitar or banjo, Mickey Ashman on bass, and George Hopkinson on drums and or washboard. And that will be the first number we will hear. Then we're going to go to a little more uh, evolved tune, a little more complicated tune called Take a Note from the South. This is a tune by Graham Bell that was recorded by the Bell Littleton Jazz Nine, especially a combination of these two bands. Um, and they recorded quite a few things in, in November and December of 1951. We're going to hear a couple of them. So this will feature Littleton along with his trombone player Keith Christie, Wally Fox on clarinet, Aide Monsborough on alto, Don Pixie Roberts, tenor saxophone. He also played clarinet with the Bell Band, Graham Bell on piano. Bud Baker on banjo, uh, Lou Silbereisen on bass, and George Hopkinson on drums. From that point, we're going to go to, um, which one did I say? The Backroom Joys. This is an original by Aid Monsburg and by Lazy Aid's Late Hour Boys with Humphrey Littleton. This is uh, uh, from the same time period. Uh, Littleton, Monsborough, Pixie Roberts on clarinet, Graham Bell, Baker, Silbereisen, and in this case, Roger Bell on washboard, Graham Bell's brother. Following that, we go and end with Stay um, stay With It, excuse me, Stay With It, which is another um, Aid Monsborough tune that uh, Littleton recorded. This is from March of 1952. It's actually after the Graham Bell Band had departed uh, Britain, but leaving uh, Monsborough behind to play with Littleton for a, a short period. It didn't last too terribly long, unfortunately, uh, but um, they did make some great recordings, and we're going to hear Stay With It, featuring Littleton, Fox, Monsborough, Johnny Parker, Freddie Legan, Mickey Ashman, and George Hopkinson, the same as on the first sides. So, again, Hoppin' Mad, Take a note from the South, Backroom Joys, and Stay With It, all featuring Aid Monsborough with Humphrey Littleton. <laughs> Thank you. 
little taste of what uh, was happening in uh, Australian jazz by way of England in this case, but uh, the great Aide Monsborough, Lazy Aide, later called the father for his contributions to helping younger jazz musicians. And uh, his career lasted well into the 1980s. He kind of retired from playing after a certain point, although he'd come out of retirement from time to time. He lived until 2006. Uh, was well decorated by uh, Australia and also, uh, as I said, well regarded by the jazz fraternity over there. Certainly an original player, wrote some very interesting compositions and uh, his playing was extraordinary in some cases. Humphrey Littleton was one of his biggest fans. When he heard him, he uh, really felt that uh, Munzberg's playing was some of the best jazz playing that was being done in the early 1950s, at least in the traditional jazz world. And Humph, who had a way with words like no other, uh, described watching Monsborough play his saxophone as like watching a man trying to extract his own tooth. And uh, I had to look that up a little bit. I had to go see a couple of videos. And if you go on YouTube, you'll find some videos from the 80s of Monsborough playing. And uh, Old Humph was right on the mark there. A better uh, description could not be made. So, hope you've enjoyed this program. We heard, I should tell you a little bit more. We heard, shouldn't I? We heard, uh, excuse me, Hoppin' Mad to begin that session and then Stay With It to end that session. And both of those were done pretty much with the same group. Humphrey Littleton and his band with Aid Monsborough for Parlophone Records. Humphrey Littleton on trumpet, Wally Fox on clarinet, and he, by the way, is a remarkable clarinet player who might be getting a podcast of his own at some point. Aid Monsborough on clarinet uh, and alto saxophone and claves, although not on that tune. Johnny Parker on piano, Freddie Ligon on guitar and banjo, Mickey Ashman on bass, and George Hopkinson on washboard. Those were from March of 1952. In between there, we heard Take a Note from the South, a Graham Bell tune featuring members of the Graham Bell and Humphrey Littleton bands, the Bell Littleton Jazz Nine. Then we heard, uh, after that, The Backroom Joys, Lazy Aid's Late Hour Boys with Humphrey Littleton, and that was also a combination of the two bands and a tune by Monsborough himself. So, we hope you've enjoyed that program, and hope you have developed a, an appreciation and an interest in a relatively unknown jazz musician uh, in America anyway. Happy to bring him to your attention and uh, well worth looking up some more recordings. He was very frequently recorded. I'm probably going to do another either podcast or radio show on some of the Australian bands that were recording for the Swaggy label in the 1960s and 70s. There were some magnificent recordings that came out, very well produced and uh, very well recorded and uh, definitely We'll put a, put a show together for that, mostly featuring probably uh, Lynn and Bob Barnard and also Dave Dalwitz, as well as Abe Monsborough. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. Hope you've enjoyed the program, and we'll be back with many more, I hope, coming up. So until then, I'll see you on the other side.